Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be together. Welcome to church. Add my welcome to Sammy's if you're first time with us. Great to see you here. If you're here every week, good to see you too. Uh, so, just great to be together as a church. Love Sundays. Just love being together in God's house. And I, I just think God's among us and He wants to do something in your life today. He wants to encourage you, build you up and touch your life. Just open your hearts. We're going to pray as we turn to the Bible. Father, thank you that you're with us just now. Thank you. You know and love each and every person here. Thank you. You're for them. The creator of the universe is for you. What a joy to know that, God. Got to pray for the person who's just been meandering through life away from God, and they've, they've come today. And today, you've brought them here so they can find you. God, I thank you you've brought the person today whose heart is, just to be honest, it's like a heavy, heavy heart, and it's, it's broken as well, and you're right beside them just now. And Holy Spirit, I pray you touch them, lift them, change something in their spirit, lift their spirits. I pray God meet with us today, envision us as a people. Help me to speak, <clears throat> help us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, what, we're kind of a month into the year now, and what a great start to the year, and also what a challenging start to the year. So, uh, just over the last few weeks, here's what my week's been like. I, I've, I, I gathered pastors from around Scotland. So about 150 pastors came together. I'd been given from an American friend £10,000 to hire the Dunblane Hilton. We brought pastors from around the length and breadth of Scotland, as far north as Isle of Skye, all the way down to the borders, and far west, and as far east as you can imagine. They all came together pastors from all different denominations Free Church, Church of Scotland, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic. All the, it was an incredible gathering. And we gathered for two days in the Dumbling Hilton to fast and pray and call on God at the beginning of a new decade for this nation that we so love and for the decade ahead. Folks, that kind of gathering hasn't happened since 1910 in Scotland. Isn't that awesome? So it was such a... Honestly, it was... Yeah. It, 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 just, it, just, it was just such a strong moment, and you just thought, wow, that was a God moment, and it's positioning um, us as a church alongside the other great churches all around this nation to see God do something in our time. I'm believing God's going to do something in our time. Anyone with me? Yeah. Really believe it. Scotland, your time is now. Uh, also this week, I had, I had a really, it was a, a real honor, a man called Terry Virgo, who is famous, if, if, if you know of him, <laughs> uh, and he started a movement called New Frontiers. It's a massive church movement in the UK and beyond. He, he invited me, I spoke at his conference last summer, and he invited me to join with a gathering of about 20 apostles and leaders from around the nation. And these are people who are, to be honest, people who I've admired at a distance, people who are quite famous authors and lead large churches. All of their churches are huge, and uh, they're all overseeing multiple churches. Not, they don't just lead a church, but they've got multi-site churches, but they're also planting churches. Some, you know, one guy in Lincoln, Stuart Bell, he's got a multi-site church around Lincoln. They run a conference every summer with 8,000 people, and they have 85 churches around the nation. And just an incredible guy. I felt really honored to be there. It was like, wow. So it feels like God, God's kind of bringing me up to a new level, which is exciting, uh, because I've got, I've got such an ache in my heart for what God wants to do in us and through us as a people. 
and in our time in our lands. So that was London, and as I was getting the flight home on Thursday night from London, I got on the plane, and I heard God say to me, this is going to be a bumpy ride. And, and, he, and he said, this is what he said to me, he said, it's going to be bumpy, in fact, it's going to start bumpy, but it's going to get even worse towards the end of the flight, but don't worry, you're going to land fine. That's what he said. So I got on the plane, but I also knew he was not just saying that about the plane, I think he was saying it about something about in my life. So I thought, okay, great. So I got on the plane, and man, it took off, and it was, the plane was all over the place, and I, and I just knew, this is, I don't like this, because you know, when, you know when you're in an airplane, it slightly does that. <laughs> Whoa! I knew there was nothing below me, but all of a sudden, there really was nothing below me, and it just went suddenly dropped, and you're, you're, who's been in that place in the plane? Oh, it's awful, right? And then, I, but I just knew, okay, but God's told me it's going to get worse, and as we were coming into Edinburgh, it, were, it was bananas. Uh, it was crazy. The plane was all over the place. It was going crazy. But honestly, I was, I was pretty calm because I just knew, sorry, God's told me we're going to land. <laughs> At a few points I wondered, but no, God told me. But when we landed, um, I knew it was a prophetic thing. God was saying something about my life. And this, this week has been a tough week for the nation. The Franklin Graham events, Billy Graham's son. Now, not everyone, Franklin Graham isn't everyone's cup of tea. Okay, fine. But he's a Christian, and he's preaching the gospel. And many of the significant venues around the UK have cancelled him coming because um, of his stance on homosexuality. And by the way, his stance on homosexuality is a Christian biblical stance that God loves people. Man, all people, no matter what your sexuality is. But equally, there are certain activities in life that are sinful, including homosexual sex and, and other things. That's his stance. And, and he's been banned from certain arenas. And that's just... that's tough. Now, whether you like the guy or not, it's not the issue. The issue is, I remember someone once said, and it wasn't a Christian who said this, um, I might not like what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Every human being, whatever their background, whether it's uh, this agenda or that agenda, has the right to be heard. And the idea of banning venues from people because they have a view on something is a terror. That's what the Nazis did before the Holocaust, that's what happened in, in communism Russia. It's that kind of dangerous censorship. Anyway, so it was always a, already a rocky week, but then I arrived, I landed in my plane, in, not my plane, <laughs> okay, before you start a rumor, right, I, I, landed, I landed in the plane, just dig, dig yourself out of this one. So I, I landed on the plane that I was on that's owned by commercial airlines, I landed in Edinburgh Airport, and, and, um, and, I, and I opened my emails, and there was an email uh, from the Usher Hall telling us that they had decided to stop us using Usher Hall for Surge Conference. Because one of the speakers, Larry Stockstill, who, by the way, is a fantastic guy, I mean, an incredible guy, had said things in the past, I think 2007, he'd said something about homosexuality being a sin. He'd also said in that same quote, by the way, that God loves sinners, including himself and homosexuals. So, he, so he's, he's, he's just, it's just a Bible stance. It's not, it wasn't, and then the next morning in the Times, anti-gay preacher causes the Usher Hall to ban a Destiny Church, a sect, which is horrible to hear, right? So, that's, that, so it, it's been a rough, right? So God told me about this rough week that was going to happen, and it's exactly as God had said. But we're going to land. Don't worry, we're going to land. And what's been amazing is even this morning, I've been getting messages from Fred Drummond, the head of Evangelical Alliance, uh, from uh, Edinburgh Elam, Paul Reese at Charlotte Chapel, uh, Dave Robertson in Australia, the blogger, just people from all over the world and all over the UK, Scottish churches, all around Edinburgh saying, Pete, 
we're with you, we're cheering you on, you're the good guys, we know you're the, the real deal, and um, just keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome, but it doesn't feel awesome. <laughs> now, this is nothing new, and it kind of makes sense that if you've had an awesome ground-taking moment, does it not kind of make sense? I mean, you know this in your own life, right? When you take some major steps forward in the Lord, that it's not long after that that sometimes all hell breaks loose. We should not be surprised, but it's not easy. In the New Testament, exactly the same things happens. Acts chapter 5, let me take you there. We're in a new series called 2020 and Beyond, and we're talking about our vision and our dream. It says in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and the people used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, which was right in the temple courts area in, the, in this heart of Jerusalem. No one else there joined them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more Men and women believed in the Lord and, their, and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and on mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as, they, as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and the tormented, those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Wow. And by the way, God still does those things. Then the high priest and his associates... Now, this is the point in the panto where you go, boo. Okay, so everybody? Then the high priest and his associates, uh, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, the doors, so opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts. In other words, to go right back into the center of the city and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they'd been told, and began to teach and preach and teach the people. And when the high priest and his associates had gathered, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. I love this. This is so cool. The officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened it, we found no one in sight. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. <laughs> I love how God bewilders the baddies. It's really cool. Then some pe someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, <clears throat> the captain went with his officer, officers and brought the apostles they did, not, they did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin, and they were questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Say that last bit with me. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. What was their teaching? Well, it says in the verse, it says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Whose name? The name of Jesus. Years ago, way back in 1854, uh, a Japanese feudal lord by the name of Wakazi Nakomi, he could kill you with one finger. He was a Japanese feudal lord and he had a band of soldiers and he was asked to 
keep watch over a European ship that had anchored off the coast of Japan. And he and his, he and his men were keeping an eye on these foreigners who had landed just off the coast of Japan. And as they were standing there keeping watch, a book washed ashore onto the beach. And Okazi no Komi sent one of his men to go and pick up the book, and they picked it up, and it was a waterlogged Dutch translation of the New Testament. He couldn't read the language, but there was something about the book that stirred an intrigue in his heart. So he organized and he managed to get hold of a translation in his own language of the New Testament. And for the next 11 years, Wakazi Nakomi started reading the New Testament. 11 years later, he and 50 of his men in full regalia turned up at the door of the Protestant missionary, the first missionary to Japan, Wernbach. And they knocked his door and he opened the door and there was this kind of samurai dude with 50 of his men. And they said, we are here to be baptized because we have decided to follow Jesus. And he went on to explain the impact that reading about Jesus had made in his life. And this is his words. Listen to what he said. He said, I cannot tell you my feelings when for the first time I read the accounts of the character and work of Jesus Christ. I had never seen, heard, or imagined such a person. I was filled with admiration, overwhelmed with emotion, and taken captive by the record of his life and his nature. Love that. Jesus Christ is absolutely phenomenal. He is so good. He is alive. He is mighty and powerful. He's on the throne. You ought to know him. He loves you. He died for you and rose again. Their message was Jesus. Our message as a church is Jesus. It's not we're against this or we're against that. It's Jesus. And we're for people because Jesus is for people. And we're against sin because Jesus died because of sin. First of all, we're against our own sin. Jesus is our message. It goes on in the, in the verses, it kind of unpacks it a bit more. It says in verse 19, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out. He said, go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about all about this new life. So the message was Jesus, and they were to tell the people about this new life. And you think about it, this is Jerusalem. It's right in the center of the, the kind of religious center of the world. It was the very place where weeks before this, months before this, Jesus Christ had been crucified in that same city and had risen again. In the same city. It's like, and, and, the, and the threatening religious leaders were, who could crucify Jesus were in the same city. And within a mile of where they were standing in the temple courts area was the empty tomb. It was incredible. The empty tomb was there, undeniable. The religious leaders had fabricated the myth that all oh, the disciples came and stole away the body, and they're claiming he rose from the dead. But you think about it. Most people wouldn't die for the truth, let alone die for a lie. You're telling me these disciples at the risk of their own life, and by the way, all of the 12 disciples of Jesus died as martyrs for claiming the resurrection. You think, do you not think one of them would have cracked if they'd made it up? Do you not think one of them, just before they were put to death, okay, we were just making it up, don't crucify us, or don't kill us, or don't stone us to death, or whatever they did to them? Of course they would. This was no myth. They were fearlessly proclaiming. And not only were they feel, and the people could see it, the people could see, well, these are the followers of Jesus. They're risking their lives to tell us about his resurrection. Of course they're not lying. But furthermore, there was heaven's attestation to the truth they were speaking. There was miracles. 
Dramatic miracles. I mean, incredible miracles. People who had been lame were walking. Blind eyes were being seen. Diseases were leaving bodies. Demons were being cast out. And the people were saying, this is the real deal. This is the true power of God. It's incredible. And the resurrection message is not just a message about a guy who died and rose again. It is also a message that says, you can, who were dead spiritually, you can come alive. And alive forevermore. You can come alive into a new life with God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, anyone who belongs to Christ has, begun, has become a new person. The old life is gone. <clears throat> the new life has begun. When Jesus gets a hold of your life, he doesn't just take you from being a bad person to becoming a good person. It's far worse than that, and it's far better than that. He takes you from being a dead person and makes you into an alive person. Anyone glad to be alive in Jesus? It's incredible. It's incredible. So Destiny Church Edinburgh, we've got the same message. Our message is Jesus. And the impact of our message is what? New life. Literally, dead city coming to life. Dead people coming alive. I came alive when I was 15. You came alive. I don't know when you did it. But God has done a miracle of resurrection in people's souls. God wants to raise people. And church... In your fumbling ways, just get that message out. Just tell your friends. Be a bit bolder. Tell some people. Tell your neighbors. Tell your work colleagues. Tell those you hang out with. Tell them about Jesus. You don't need to have all the answers. You just need to have the one answer. Jesus. They might have questions you can't answer about that. Just say, I don't know about that, but Jesus. And the truth is this. The power of God will, is easily available just to you as it was to those early disciples. Say amen if you agree. So what was the impact of this message being proclaimed? Well, it says in verse 28, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. That's, that's remarkable. Just after the resurrection of Jesus, he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they should receive power. And in Acts chapter 1, we read that there was 120 of them who were waiting in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit to come after the resurrection of Jesus. 120. Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit's power came, a crowd gathered, and 3,000 people became believers in Jesus. So all of a sudden, the church went from 120 to 3,120. By Acts chapter 4, it had grown to at least 15,000, potentially 20,000 people shortly following a lame man being miraculously healed. And the crowds gathered. The church grew into the tens of thousands of people. It was estimated that the church in Jerusalem grew to 32 thousands people, and the population of Jerusalem at the time was between 50 and 80,000 people. That's a remarkable impact. 32,000 people in a population that was just over double that. Half the city, in the same city where Jesus was crucified, with the threats from the religious leaders was all there, and the Romans were still there. Half the city impacted they'd filled Jerusalem with their teaching. And what was the impact of that? Well, if you read, read Acts, you see, man, they saw social reformation. They cared for the widows and the poorest of the poor. On large scale, they alleviated poverty. It was incredible. Uh, you know, there was a religious reformation. People who had been religious came to true life and faith. There was an eternal impact. Thousands of people who had been lost were now going to heaven. And also, Jerusalem became a hub church. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
Jerusalem became like a hub for church planting. It became a hub from which people were sent out and resources were sent out. Incredible. And do you know what I believe with all my heart? I believe that God wants to do the same through churches like us and other churches in the city. I believe it. What's our impact destiny, Edinburgh? Well, we're living in Edinburgh in the Lothians, just in case you didn't know where you were. There are 840,000 people living in Edinburgh and the Lothians. An estimated 40,000 of those connect with church in some way. That doesn't mean they're necessarily saved yet, but they've got some sort of connection with church, 40,000. That means that 800,000 people in Edinburgh and the Lothians haven't yet connected with church, and more seriously, haven't yet connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is our mission field. God wants us to fill the Lothians with our message, and our message is Jesus and the new life that comes through Jesus. And what will be the impact of filling the Lothians with Jesus' message and with the impact of that through our church and through other churches? The impact will be soul saved, the poor seriously helped, God being glorified, an eternal impact. And also we and other churches will become hub churches by which we can plant churches all over Scotland, the UK, all over Europe, and all over the world. That's the passion. That's what we want to do. And what's our strategy, Destiny Edinburgh? Well, way back in 2015, we launched our strategy, which we called 2020 Vision. And here we are, and now in 2020, and we're kind of looking back and saying, thank God for what you've done, but there's still some more things to happen. 2020 Vision, for those who were around, you'll remember, 2020 Vision was four, two, one. Get your fingers out. Say four, two, one four new locations. Now, by that time in, in 2015, we already had two. We had Gorgie and Leith. But our dream is, in, by the 2020 vision, is to launch four new locations. Uh, two refurbished buildings, our Leith and our Gorgie buildings, and one orphanage in India. And in response to that vision, we asked people to consider going and being part of a new location. So some people left Leith, went to Granton, went to South. And it, we, we saw that. We saw the locations coming out. Also, we asked people to serve, because as people were going out, we'd leave gaps. And folks, there still are gaps. There is, if you're in the church and you're not yet serving, there is a place for you. Get involved. And we also asked people to give. And boy, did you give, because it costs a lot of money to launch locations. But we've seen come in so far, and, and money's still coming in. Pledged was about over 700,000, and 611,000 of that has come in. Thank you, church. Thank you for your radical faith. Thank you for being willing to go. Thank you for being willing to serve. And thank you for being willing to give. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're amazing. Absolutely amazing. So let me just give you a couple of, let me step aside out of the UK for a moment. Let's tell, let me tell you about the orphanage. The, the, the funds raised have enabled us to give the tithe of that, that money that's come in, plus over and above that we've given offerings from carol services and so on. From Destiny Church Edinburgh, we've had the privilege of being able to give huge amounts of money to India. So way back in 2014, this is what the orphanage looked like. It was, it was, um, it was a shell of a building with a wall around it. Uh, since the giving, 120,000 has gone from Destiny, Edinburgh. And here's what it looks like today. Now, the, the poles at the side of it are, is scaffolding. Can you believe that? I just wanted to say that. That's like, seriously, would you climb up that stuff? Anyway, that's scaffolding. But look at that. It's beautiful. Uh, next slide. Here's the interior. Check this out. Look at that. So that room in the right there is going to be for the kids. 
Uh, you see this fantastic centre courtyard. It's got a, deliberately got a roof over it because in the monsoon season, gives them an out, it's, it gives them like a courtyard space to play in. It's an amazing facility. And uh, next slide, you know, it tells you, listen, this is the good news. You have given, Destiny Church Edinburgh has given £120,000 to that project. We have underwritten the finishing of that building. It's amazing. Now, it's, what's next? Well, it's, it's still empty. We need furniture and so on. So we're gonna, the next stage is to fit it out, which will be happening over the next few months. And then the next stage is to bring in the additional kids. But here's the good news. Again, from many of you, it will bring in an additional 50 kids beyond the 25 precious kids we've already got. So we'll go up to 75 kids. So how will we pay for those 50 extra kids every month? Well, we've already got sponsorship in place for 42 of the 50 kids. And again, many of you have been part of that. So give yourself a round of applause. Amazing. I love that we can make a difference in these precious lives. These are precious people. And they pray for us every day, by the way. Every day, our names are on their lips. The impact on the ground in Edinburgh, since 2015, we've seen a 30% rise in our church membership. That's incredible. That's not just the crowds that come. That's the committed core. That's the people who've gone through a membership course and saying, we're in. We've seen a 30% rise in our church membership. We've had the privilege of baptizing 175 people. Isn't that awesome? And we've seen 890 gospel responses, predominantly through our services. I think that is absolutely outstanding. God, you have been so good to us. Let me give you an update from our location passes now. I'm going to cue the clip, and this is an update from our location passes telling you about the impact on the ground in each of our locations and the impact the 2020 vision has made. And I hope you just watch this and you feel, God, thank you for letting me be part of that. Church started in 1998 in our flat, and by God's grace, it's just really grown. God led us to start Multisite. It wasn't just a, a good idea to start new locations. It was a God idea. To be honest, at the start, we didn't plan to do many locations. We just planned to start a church that would grow. But by God's grace and by God's leadership, we've started a many location church. And the thing about reach many locations is it's accomplished two things. It's not only enabled us to reach more people with the good news of Jesus, it's also accomplished something in us. It's released so many pastors, so many worship leaders, so many great kids leaders and youth leaders, and people have just, it's caused people to grow and mature in their faith. What a joy to be one church in many locations. Here's some of our location pastors to tell you about this story and the impact that God has made in their lives and in their locations. Welcome to the Leith location. My name's Sammy. I'm the location pastor here. We are in the famous historic Leith building. This is the first building that we owned. This is actually the first location to plant another location. And in fact, we're the only location that has planted every other uh, location after that. So this is the Leith location, the famous Leith location and it's so good to have you with us today. I remember coming here as a student when I first visited. Uh, we just moved into this building. There was about 70 people. And I remember being involved in the church then where it was a time where we grew quite rapidly. Uh, we saw a number of significant miracles. I remember one lady coming in with cataracts and being dramatically healed in that she didn't need an operation and many other things like that. 
a number of years ago, a gentleman coming in the door and he would come and he would sit in the cafe just listening to the service. And one, one um, morning I remember him sneaking off and I decided to go out and speak to him. And as he was heading down the road, um, he said to me, Sammy, I'm just not sure I get all this Jesus stuff. And I remember saying to him, Kevin, just keep coming, keep sticking at it. And uh, he was in a rehab just down the road. And he did, he kept sticking at it, kept coming along. And uh, he got saved. Uh, he got part of a small group. And today he actually leads one of our Leith uh, small groups. He lives in Leith. Uh, he also heads up uh, our homeless outreach here in Leith and across the church. And uh, I just love the way that God is changing Leithers' lives, people in Leith and in this Leith location. And we're so excited uh, to think about what God's going to do uh, in the years to come in this location. Hi there, my name is Paul and I am location pastor here in Gorgie. So welcome to Gorgie Location. Mind the gap, it's a well-known phrase on the London underground. There are gaps all across the city of Edinburgh, gospel gaps, neighborhoods and localities where there is no real gospel witness. And in 2008, in Destiny Leith, God spoke and he asked us to move, or some of us to move from Leith into Gorgie because there was a gospel gap. And people did that and it was an amazing and exciting thing. In 2015, God spoke again and he said, there are still gospel gaps across our city and I want people to stand in the gap. And people from our locations moved out to Granton, to South, and they got involved in church online. I'm thankful as location pastor here in Gorgie to play my part in this amazing thing that God is doing in us and through us as a church. I'm thankful to the people in Gorgie location who have stood up and are standing in the gap. They've gone out. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for those who stay here in Gorgie who feel the emotional gap, but you've been generous and you've sent people. And thank you for people in Gorgie who have stood up and are playing their part in our location. God's calling us to stand in the gap. So let's be a people who stand in the gap for him. Welcome, my name is Michael. I'm the location pastor here in the granting location. In 2015, we launched the granting location. The first of the location launched as part of our 2020 vision. When we just started the location, we used to meet at Edinburgh College. But a year later, God miraculously provided our own building. And from that, we are able to serve the people of the North area. One of the biggest community that we have in this North area is the Polish community. And we're, we've been able to serve them by providing live Polish translation in our Sunday services. Also, we've seen many people got saved. When we just planted the location, um, some of the guys went door knocking, sharing the gospels. And through that, Kathy got saved. She had the gospel, got saved, baptized, and now she's planted in our location, thriving in our faith. 
And so we are so excited for the next 10 years to reach out to this locality. And we believe that God's going to use us to share the gospel and help people to thrive and know him well. And so that is our heart and that is our vision. Hi, I'm Jordan. I lead the South location and welcome to Pennycook Town Hall. So when we launched South, we were just a mishmash of different people from Gorgie, Leith, Granton, and some from the local area. But what I love is that over the three or four years we've been a church, we have just kind of grown into our own community. And you know, there are people who are so connected to each other and involved in each other's lives now, they didn't even know each other three years ago, which I love. And over the years, we've seen people come back to faith, who maybe left God and church many years ago, and through South, they've come back to faith. And we've also seen many people come to faith for the first time. We started with around 60 people, but now we are regularly at around 100 people on Sundays, which is great. And one of my favorite things about our location is our kids' ministry. Every week, you know, there's so many kids and families turn up and I think around half our congregation are kids and young people and you know you, you walk in church on a Sunday you will see kids serving on the worship team the catering team on the welcome team you know we're in a rented building you walk in a Sunday you will see the kids help set up the room which I just love and one of my favorite things just about leading this location is seeing people grow closer to God and I remember one particular lady, she told me, you know, Jordan, I've been going to church for decades, for years, but having joined this church, this location, I can say my faith is now more alive than it ever has been. And I just love that. And you know, in the future, we are looking forward to having our own facility, our own building. We're thankful for what God has given us, but we're in faith that we're gonna have our own place. And we're looking forward to seeing many more precious people from Midlothian and the south of Edinburgh, young and old, join us in this amazing journey God has placed us on. Hi, I'm Linda, and I am location pastor for our online location. What incredible journey these last one and a half years has been, especially since we had our first service, the 28th of April, 2019. And part of why I'm so excited and, and incredible encouraged coming down every Sunday to prepare for our service is the team that we are working with. It's an incredible bunch of people. I call them our stars. And each an individual is a star in their own right. And we have people in uh, connecting in our uh, tech team, in our creative team and in our pastoral team so it's just so beautiful to see how people with different hearts and callings are coming together to serve as one and uh, it's just incredible and to see them flourish and grow and to challenge themselves is just a blessing and uh, to see also how this service has uh, helped people connect with God is obviously a privilege beyond. And uh, I met with a lady who said, I couldn't come to church for a long time in my season of heavy mental issues and I was really down. And I plugged into God through Church Online and we hear stories like that every, every week. And from all parts of, of the world actually, which is very encouraging. So moving forward, uh, the challenging and the exciting part is to what can we do with the rest of the week's hours and just bring the gospel to a world living in darkness. So join us. Welcome to Destiny Church Edinburgh. This is Leith. This is South. 
This is Church Online. This is Grantine. This is our Gorgie location. One church in many locations. And hey, many more to come. How cool is that? God has been so good. Thank you, Father, for what you have done. And thank you for what you're going to do. So why do we launch locations? Again, if you've been with us for a long time, you might know some of this, but let me just give you, because it's good to not just know what, what you do, but why do you do it? So let me just take you behind the scenes and just give me the why, the big why. Number one, we launch locations because planting accelerates evangelism. Peter C. Wagner famous strategist and visionary preacher said this, planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. Willow Creek Church, famous large church in Chicago, they did a survey and they found that people who lived more than half away, half an hour away from their church, they had one center. They lived more than half an hour away from that center. They found this. Number one, they rarely invited other people to church. Number two, they didn't really participate in small group. Number three, they didn't volunteer in teams. And number four, their kids and youth weren't as involved. Whereas people within half an hour distance of the main worship center, all of a sudden they became more evangelistic and, and all those things. So basically what, we're, what we've discovered in Edinburgh is this, believers are willing to travel decent distances to get to a good church. And um, however, imagine you live way out in the south of Edinburgh, and you're coming to Leith, and then we say, hey, we've got our carol services coming up. Invite your friends. You invite your mates. And they say, well, where's your church? They say, oh, we're in Leith. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, believers are willing to travel, but their non-Christian mates aren't. So by starting locations, bringing the church that you know and love into your community, it's actually effectively mobilized the church to become more evangelistic. Four reasons why new churches reach more people. Number one, they're culturally relevant. See, when a new church arrives in an area, they kind of just see it. If you've lived in a place for ages, you don't see it anymore. It's, you, you just kind of, you get so used to it, you don't actually see what the culture is like anymore. But when someone's coming in with fresh eyes, and they've done their research, and they've done their street surveys, and they've figured it out, boy, oh boy, super relevant. Number two, desperation. New churches thrive because of desperation. Now, desperation sounds like a negative, but spiritually speaking, desperation is a huge positive. <laughs> that horrible feeling of your back's against the wall, oh, it's sink or swim here, actually produces great faith. And so when you're out there and you're planting a church, it's like, Lord, this feels so risky. Is this going to work? It just drive, it drives you to prayer. And when you get desperation plus prayer, guess what happens? God answers and churches grow. So actually, that desperation leads to growth. Number three, create space to grow. So when we launch new locations, all of a sudden it creates empty seats in the existing locations. So as we launch new locations, some of you will leave here and be part of that location, creating more seats here, which enables the old location to grow again. And the new location, you've moved into a new venue and you've got tons of seats. So you get the opportunity to grow as well. Statistically, churches stop growing when a building gets 80% full. Research has shown that. Fourth reason new churches grow is they have a different focus. Lyle Schaller, an expert on church planting, said this in a book. New churches are more likely to reach more people and to grow in size than long-established parishes. Perhaps the simplest explanation for this pattern is that new congregations are organized around evangelism and reaching people 
By contrast, powerful internal institutional pressures tend to encourage long-established churches to allocate most of the resources to the care of their members. But the new church focuses on reaching the lost. So number one reason is, hey, it, planting accelerates evangelism. Number two, planting releases ministry. Ephesians 4 verse 16, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of every individual part causes the growth of the body. Churches grow when everyone's involved. You know what, just like your body, so all, all these different joints and parts, when every part's playing its part, your body thrives. So also with a church, when everyone's playing their part, the church grows. And what we've discovered is that when you launch locations, literally, it's all hands on deck. You send out a pile of people from this location to plant a new location, guess what? It leaves gaps. We need to, man, we need more kids workers in Leith. Man, we need more stewards in Leith because half of them went to the new location. Creates gaps here, which we've got to fill, so all hands on deck. But also, the people who left here and went there, it's like the gear change. Kirsty and Fraser used to be part of this location. They went to south. Kirsty was a kids worker here, and, and Fraser was just a church attender. When they went to south, Kirsty went from being a kids worker to becoming the kids leader overseeing all the kids ministry. Fraser went from being a church attender to leading the PA team. So it's like Kirsty went from second gear to third gear. Fraser went from neutral to fourth gear. It's like, it's just everyone gets a chance. But also, here's the thing. How many of you grew by taking on responsibility? You know, we, we grow by learning stuff in a classroom setting, but how much more do we grow by actually taking on some responsibility? So church, get involved. Play your part. There is a part for you. Number three, planting positively provokes existing churches. Listen to this quote by the famous Tim Keller, great pastor from New York City. He said, the vigorous, continual planting of new churches, new congregations, is the single most crucial strategy for, number one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city, and number two, the continual corporate renewal and revival of existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurches, congregational consultation, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic and extensive church planting. I believe that new churches can be started not to the detriment of the old churches, but to the benefit of old churches. The way I see it is this, when the tide comes in, all the ships in the harbor go up. You know, way back in the 1990s, the biggest church on planet Earth was in Seoul, Korea, the Yoido Full Gospel Church, led by Pastor David Yonggi Cho. You would think it had about 800,000 members, so a little bit bigger than us. 800, you imagine, you would think, you would think, what chance does any other church have in that city, right? You've got a huge church on your doorstep. What, church does any of a, what chance does any other church have? And yet, statistically, seven of the ten largest churches in the world were in Seoul, that same city, in the 1990s. So apparently, their growth wasn't to the detriment of other churches. The opposite. Their growth was to the benefit of other churches. How does planting new churches benefit existing churches? Well, number one, new churches provoke existing churches to reach the lost. You know, in Edinburgh, when we arrived in 1998, I wasn't hearing of people getting saved in church services. Often, churches would go years without seeing any decisions for Jesus. And then we come along, and by God's grace, we start seeing 
weekly salvation in our meetings. You know what? I've, I've been asked three times by groupings of pastors all around the city to say, Pete, sit us down and talk us through how do you reach the lost? That's, seriously. And because and, they're looking around thinking, we want to do that. And you know what? Today, I'm so happy to report there are multitudes of churches in the city who are seeing consistent salvation growth. The tide has turned. Number two, the new churches provoke innovation. You see, the existing churches don't want to take risks. They're kind of looking on thinking, oh, it's too much at risky. We've got a happy congregation to keep happy. We've got a budget to meet. We don't want to do too many risky things. But the new guys have got nothing to lose. The new churches rock up and think, hey, we've got nothing to lose. Let's try this. And they try it. And the old churches look on thinking, well, let's see if it works for them. And if it does, we might get involved. And you know, they can die. But if they survive, we'll join in. And so the new churches start something great. And then the existing churches think, it worked. We're going to try that too. So it provokes innovation. Number three, new churches help existing churches to evaluate themselves. There's nothing like an exciting new church turning up on your community doorstep to make the existing churches think, look how clear they are in their vision. Look how buzzing they are about reaching out to people. And it makes the existing churches think, what are we doing? Come on, we've got a vision as well. And it provokes them in a good way. It's really good. Number four, new churches win converts for existing churches. We've had the joy since starting the church of seeing well over 5,000 people coming to faith in Jesus or coming back to faith in Jesus. Now, we don't have 5,000 in our church. I know that there are many people we've seen come to faith who are now in other churches. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please, some of you stay in this church, but praise the Lord for those who have got saved and who continue to walk with Jesus in other churches. Number four, planting locations enables church plants to hit the ground running. Don't cry. <laughs> Please. So why? Because you take 60 people and you send them to Pennycook and start the church from the word go. It's like they get to hit the ground running. They've already got kids ministry. They've already got everything going. And the thing I love about church planting or planting locations is it's got the feel of the small church, but the punch of the big church. It's not just like a little church out there in Pennycook doing its thing. They've got the backing of a whole large multi-site church with the financial resources and the, and the staff support. It's, it's fantastic. It literally means it is the feel of the small church with the punch of the big church. And then finally, planting locations makes reaching new communities sustainable. Warren Bird said in his research on multi-site churches, 47% of multi-site churches have a campus in a small town or rural area. What we've found is this, that by being a larger church launching locations, it means we are able to sustain locations, for example, in poorer areas or in rural areas, because the resource of the whole church is able to give backing to the new church. I love that. And folks, as I hinted, and we'll talk about this over the next few weeks, there are more locations to come. We hope by God's grace to do this more and more and more the rest of my life, to be honest. Where's this going? Ephesians 1, 22. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The early church filled Jerusalem with their teaching, but the Bible tells us that the church, which is the fullness of him, is going to fill everything in every way. Every city, every town, every community, every demographic, 
will be impacted by the name of Jesus and the message of new life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you have done. We celebrate your goodness among us. But God, we also thank you for what you're going to do. God, I give thanks to you for the sacrifice of so many, the generous giving of so many. Thank you for the the way that many have served. Many have been willing to leave the comforts of an established location and be part of a new pioneering location. God, we bless you and thank you for the sacrifice of many. But God, we're so aware that there is more to come and there's still a city to be reached. And God, our prayer is, God, let, may the best days be ahead for the glory of God. We pray this. God, let more miracles happen, more souls be saved, more church growth, more lives be changed. It might be that we face more opposition, but as long as you get the glory, we're okay with that. Do a great thing in our lives. Do a great thing through our lives. In Jesus' great name. In Jesus' great name. Pray your prayers. Respond to God. You've all heard something today. Take a moment to talk to God about what He has spoken to you about just in these moments. Make your own response. Maybe you're not serving. Maybe today you're saying, Peter, I'm going to get involved with serving. Maybe you're not giving to the vision. Why not get involved and financially invest in the vision? Maybe God's calling you to be part of a new location that we'll be planting. That's a courageous thing. I'm aware as we're praying, it might be that some of you here aren't yet in relationship with God. I'm so thrilled you're here in our gathering today. We love you. God loves you. And if, you, if that's you today and you're saying, Peter, I want God in my life, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me just now, just under your breath. Say, dear Lord God, I want to thank you for your love and goodness. Jesus, thank you that you are willing to come into this world and pay the ultimate price so that me, a sinner, could be saved. And Jesus, today, I put my faith in you. Give me this new life that you offer, I pray. I trust in you, Jesus. I believe you are alive. And today, I declare you Lord of my life. Thanks for hearing my prayer. Keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, wherever you are in this auditorium, up in the balcony or the main floor or in the cafe, God has heard your prayer. And I would love to pray for you, just wherever you are. If you're here and you prayed the prayer, could you just simply let me know you did by just popping your hand up and say, that's me today. Is there anyone like that today? It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Maybe you've been wandering. Maybe you've been away from God, but today here you are. God's brought you here, and he's brought you here so you know him. Is there anyone else here today? And you're saying, that's me, Pete. I prayed that prayer. Just quickly raise your hand. God, thank you so much for my dear friends and any others who prayed that prayer. Thank you you've heard. Thank you you accept. Thank you you save. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing our hearts out to God. And I'm heading to our north location. God bless you, folks. I love you all.